Welcome to Generation Why Am I Like This. I'm Alec. I'm Casey. And I'm Liz. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the podcast where we look back at some of our favorite pop culture memories from our childhoods. Um, we have a special treat for you over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we unintentionally ended up doing a sort of mini like theme cycle. And the theme is yes. Kingdom. Even though yeah. we've covered Kingdom Hearts, which was an oversight on Casey's part. He didn't know we were doing this. But uh, we decided I'm going to do uh, No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, another album. But then Liz and Casey over the next couple of weeks are going to talk about The Tenth Kingdom, which I have no fucking clue what that's about. And I need to start yes. watching that soon. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, like I do. Seven and a half hours of fun. <laughs> I'm scared. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing another album and I'm excited. This was... The first album I ever remember owning, thanks mom, uh, I was probably too young for it, but honestly, uh, this album slaps. I stand by it. I love it. Uh, I think it's very indicative of the mid-90s um, and that kind of, I don't know, pop-punk, ska-ish sound. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, I, I already said adjacent. Ska-adjacent. That's what Blair it said. It has a brass <laughs> section. So yeah, there's there's some horns in it because we were yes. listening to it in the car, and I was like, "This is like ska, right?" And he's like, "Well, there's not enough horns." And I'm like, "I mean, I just heard a horn, so <laughs> a toot so, toot, a beep beep, Blair." <laughs> How many horns do you need? Give me a, a certain yeah, Blair. number. Yeah, Blair. Do What's the minimum number of horns that are required for it to be ska? Tell us now. Yeah. Comment below. I didn't realize that there were ska gatekeepers, but I should not be. <laughs> He'll be really sad. <laughs> Good. He should uh, be. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I love this album. I'm talking about it. But uh, before we go further, what were was the background the two of you had for this album, or no doubt in general? So I will say that I think in my like, tr- like my uh, knowledge of music is limited. I. And I wasn't, like, a huge music person when I was a kid. Like, I like NSYNC or whatever, you know, or I like Bewitched. But, like, you know, I wasn't, like, you know, necessarily paying attention to music that much. Um, But I, so I didn't really know about No Doubt. Um, I knew about Gwen Stefani before I knew about No Doubt, I guess is what I'm saying. So, like, Hollerback Girl, obviously a huge moment in the 2000s and oh, we'll so. we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and so that's, to me, like, my intro to no doubt because it would be my introduction to Gwen Stefani sure so like if I think of no doubt I mean now obviously I know there's like at least like f- four songs on this particular album that I think are just like iconic songs that I know like yeah right away I can hear it and I'm like oh that's no doubt and but I don't think I really knew who no doubt was growing up like I wasn't really paying attention um but then you know I would say high school going into college I would know who they were probably but nice what yeah. about you, Casey? Well, this is the first time I ever heard the album, or no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, I I remember when this came out. It was on the radio all the time. I'm Just a Girl was a huge, huge, huge freaking hit. Um, my sister had this album, so I listened to it a lot whenever she listened to it, because she blared her music all the time. Lindsay, thank you so much. It's great. This and Jewel, iconic. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, both. honestly, she would have been best great. friends with my mom. That was, like, right up her alley. Wonderful duo. <laughs> well, and then my mom had this album, but she also had Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. So it was like yes. iconic bops for ladies. Um, by ladies, <laughs> not for ladies. For ladies, by ladies. Don't miss out on your opportunity to buy this collection of iconic bops for ladies. Only 19 dollars <laughs> Time Life, Time Life Presents. <laughs> 
Are you a girl who feels empowered? Well, have we got the collection for you. You'd wake up at like 2 a.m. on the couch, like watching that on TV. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember listening to this all the time. I now seeing the song list, it kind of makes sense why my favorite song was my favorite song. Um, <laughs> Can't wait to find out what it is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll just say it right now. I always no! love spider webs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love Spiderwebs. It's always been my favorite. But also looking at it, I was like, it's the first song on the album. So I literally probably heard that the most. Right. Because you just put it on and it's there. So, And then we'll talk about whatever you think the best one is um, <laughs> later. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat because I spend a lot of time in the car with my mom. You know, she drove me to all sorts of things. And we always sang along to music, a lot of pop music on the radio. So definitely like... No doubt, Jewel, Alanis Morissette. Um, I re- have like very vivid memories of watching the music video to Where Have All the Cowboys Gone by Paula Cole in my living room. I don't yes. know why. It's like everything's <laughs> in that like kind of sad blue filter and it's like done on like a soundstage. It's a great song. I will do the laundry if you pay all the bills. <laughs> so if you don't know... Tragic Kingdom is the third album from the band, No Doubt. It followed a 1992 self-titled album. And then in 1990, uh, wait, this came in 90, what, five? Yeah. Yeah. This came in 95, but like literally six months before this album came out, they put out uh, an album by themselves called the Beacon Street Collection. Um, And that actually outsold their first album like three times. And so it kind of set them up to have this album be such a success um at the time of this album the main band consisted of eric stefani who was on piano and keyboards more to come on him you might notice he has the same last name as the more uh iconic member of the band gwen stefani who is on lead vocals uh tom dumont on guitar tony canal on bass and adrian young on percussion uh so like you've already heard the band adopted this sort of pop punk slash ska adjacent sound that was gaining popularity uh in the 80s and tragic kingdom is actually according to the wikipedia page for ska music uh tragic kingdom is considered the most commercially successful album of that genre uh and it was like at its peak in the mid 90s so like by 95 this came out that's when it really kind of you know crossed into mainstream everyone was hearing it and the rest is history um what I found surprising, I didn't realize that No Doubt formed in 1986. I just always assumed they were like 1992 on. But no, they formed in 1986, and it was kind of a passion project started by Eric Stefani and John Spence. They were friends. They lived in Southern California, and they kind of just got a bunch of people together, including their own friends and other musicians, to fill out the band. One of those was Gwen Stefani, Eric's sister, and she only started in the band as doing backup vocals. She wasn't even the main uh, vocalist for the band. Um, In 1987, they had booked a concert um, or a gig, I guess, at the Roxy in L.A., which is a really iconic venue for bands to play. And just a few days before that concert, John Spence, who was one of the band members, uh, took his own life, unfortunately, and it kind of like sidelined the band for several weeks um then eventually they picked back up and in 1990 uh they determined that Gwen Stefani's stage presence kind of positioned her to be the lead singer um 
a lot of times I think Eric Stefani was doing a lot of the lead vocals, but they kind of promoted her to be the lead singer of the band. And all of the other original band members, except for Eric Stefani, had moved on to other creative endeavors. So they kind of had trickled all out except for the two Stefanis. Um, it's all about those Stefanis. It's all about the Stefanis. I mean, so while working on Tragic Kingdom, the album, Eric Stefani was really hesitant to relinquish some of his creative control. Uh, they had a producer assigned by the label uh, to help create the album, and he didn't really want to pass off a lot of control for the album. And partway through the recording of the album, he ended up leaving. This was 1994. And he actually went to work in animation on The Simpsons, which I think is just like... Wait, the brother? Yeah, Eric Stefani uh, went to be an animator on The Simpsons. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, yeah, he's not currently with The Simpsons, but he was with them for uh, from seasons one through season nine. So he was there for quite a while. Yeah, wow. Nice. Uh, but I think that's pretty funny that he went from yeah one iconic music group, maybe not so iconic when they were still recording the album, they didn't have the success yet, but to The Simpsons, which was huge. Yeah. Um, the album tragic kingdom they recorded this for a long fucking time they started recording in the spring of 1993 and they went through the fall of 1995 they used 11 different studios throughout la and oh god yeah i know right it sounds kind of like a nightmare it just seems like it was in purgatory for so long just Mm -hmm. gear spinning um but like i said this received the most commercial success of any of the band's albums and it spent nine weeks at the number one uh the billboard number one for the album and placed second on the billboard 200 year end chart for 1995 it was right behind spice girls's spice so just Mm. so you know it was a pretty big album in the states uh After the album, the band continued to garner moderate success, uh, moderate critical success, I should say, uh, with their next album, The Return of Saturn, but it didn't quite live up to the sales that uh, Tragic Kingdom had. And after that, they put out an album called Rocksteady, uh, which I like to dub as the era where Gwen Stefani started appropriating lots of cultures. Uh, they Harajuku girls. No, this is even before that. But this it's is when they Harajuku girls. It is. It's it's when they started collaborating with Lady Saw, and they did like Jamaican dancehall style music. Mm. Um, like Hella Good is like very that. Is this I mean, the If I be... Were a Rich Girl song too? Yeah, yeah. I think that's album. the same album. To be so fair, I would stand to argue that. Even though this is pop punk ska, there is a lot of reggae in it as well, like reggae inspiration. So you could say they started doing that from the beginning. I mean, <laughs> I you are correct. Uh, I had this note later, but I actually forgot that sort of in the earlier no doubt phase when Gwen Stefani was like just doing her traditional like quote unquote punk outfits, like mm-hmm. her kind of bikini tops and track pants. She a lot of times put like a bindi in her forehead mm. which like made no sense i don't know why she did that i guess she thought it looked pretty but that you know that yeah. was probably the start of her cultural yeah, 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 yeah. Era. a lot of times you mean i think it's in so i watched a lot of music videos for this more than the one that we're going to talk about and i think all of them except for maybe the one we watched i can't remember when we were supposed to watch all of them have a bendy in them oh does it and um and so i i started watching them because i was like i just want to see what the music video for spider webs was like because i loved it and let me tell you, it's a little weird where I don't know if it's like 
uncomfortable but knowing where she goes it's a little uncomfortable where the band is just playing for this big party and like this giant like beautiful building but it's like randomly an all asian party that they're playing for and i was like is this when her obsession with asian culture kind of started because there's yeah it was just kind of like interesting choice like that's probably yeah i wonder what the decision was behind that yeah, the Harajuku thing later, and then it, it's kind of like a disaster kind of horror-ish story, too. So I was like, where are you huh. playing? I'm like, I don't know. It was just like, what? And then she has, like, the bendy on, too. I don't know. I was just like, I I don't know how to feel about this. No. <laughs> maybe it's fine. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I think I forgot that the bendy was such a big part of her look because I wasn't really looking up a lot of pictures of her back in that era, and then... Uh, I was reading this article I'll talk about in a little bit about her sort of appropriation. And they mentioned that and I found a picture. I was like, oh yeah, like that was pretty much what she looked like all the time back then, it seemed like. Oh, speaking of appropriation though, uh, I do think it's important to talk about the fact that she just got married this Saturday to Blake Shelton. So, Oh, I knew they were engaged. <laughs> this must this predated so, my, so. my research for this episode. He yeah, also I knew they were engaged. Like- you know, yeah. white American She went butthole. full circle and now she's just appropriating white culture at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. She can do that. Yeah, she <laughs> can do that. Gwen Stefani, yeah, if you're listening, was... please reappropriate white culture. That was on Saturday. So, I mean, which, wow. congratulations. That's good for uh, I don't, you know. I'm just going to say I beat her. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. We'll talk about that later. Uh, oh, before I go too much star. further. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. Rocksteady, Rocksteady, that that album we were just talking about, uh, has does have a sleeper bop on it. Running, uh, it's like kind of a slower ballad. I highly recommend everyone listen to Running. Uh, it's really good. It's one of my favorite No Doubt songs of all time. After that, they've still made music. They like released a kind of a greatest hits package, uh, which is a really good album. And they did a cover of oh, it's the title of the song. It's not Bon Jovi's. It's my life. It's a different song but it's a really Don't good cover you forget caught in the crowd it yes. never ends yeah that one yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. love that song actually she uh, and the music video music was really video. great yes yes she does yes. when she does her like uh, very classy sort of pinup looks like she looks mm-hmm. so great and it's less cringy so um she did she looks stunning too in one of the music videos which she also had like the curls and waves and like they also like stoned her hair too. It looked really nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> like we've alluded to, Gwen Stefani continued the trend in her later solo work because she did break out into a pretty successful solo career. Uh, she kept a lot of this imagery in Hollerback Roll, which was a big hit for her. She went like full on Chola, which maybe that's where like Ellen from Camp was inspired to do her Chola drag because uh, mm. that would have predated that movie. <laughs> I don't know, but the brown face is cute. like, Ellen DeGeneres has a lot of problems, but I don't think she's ever trusted. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ellen from Camp. We just talked about that movie. Okay. Yeah. Weeks ago. yeah. I've never seen it. Uh. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, and then there is her infamous Harajuku girl phase. She had the album Love Angel Music Baby, in which uh, she had like four sidekicks that were Japanese women that were. Their, their personas were named Love, Angel, Music, and Baby, and they were, like, in all of the music videos for the era. And she did a lot of Harajuku looks and stuff. Um, 
yeah, yeah it it was a weird phase. And I I will say what's weird about it more so is not just that they're there because that actually would have been kind of cool, but it's that they're just like props in the background. Like for the most part yeah. in the music videos, they do nothing but like sit there, maybe dance with her, but most of the time it's like walking around her or like sitting in the background. They're she just, also like, brought them props. to like a lot of red carpets and stuff, and like they would just kind of be her entourage walking around, and they were easily like a foot shorter than her, and it was just. It was like almost like she had these, I don't know, like accessories just walking around yeah. behind her. It was bizarre. It, at the time, it definitely felt like I have enough money that I have these like this human posse that I'm paying just to hang around me because they look cool. So I'm cooler now. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, it was so it's uncomfortable that it's even more <laughs> uncomfortable now. Yeah. Um, not cute. There are some good songs on that album. Uh, what You Waiting For is chef's kiss but you know maybe not oh, all the boy. visual creative decisions were ideal yeah what is it was like color pop electric or something like that too was another song and i remember loving oh, that i don't one. know that one. i don't know if i've listened to those albums all the way through i just know like the big singles from them yeah um I know. Yeah, anyway in may of 2021 this year this past may usa today published an article i guess uh where gwen stefani further defended her Harajuku girl phase. Um, She apparently just wanted to bring back uh, the trend to the States after falling in love with it after her first uh, tours in Japan with no doubt. Uh, And she is quoted in the article saying, I had this idea that I would have a posse of girls because I never got to hang with girls and they would be Japanese Harajuku girls because those are the girls that I love. End quote. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was a really cringy <laughs> quote. Yeah. You know, it's kind of gross. <clears throat> I, I mean, it's like the intention being like, I appreciate this style and I love it. And I want to like bring that to America because it's cool. And like America clearly isn't like aware of it yet. That yeah. is cool. Like I like that sure. concept. I'm like all about it. But then to also be like, oh, and also I'm going to enlist human people mm-hmm. to just, I don't know. And like be like, oh, they look cool because they are this race is a little weird. I don't, yeah. that part is yeah. not translating well for me. Well, if yeah, you just like, were like, oh, hey, I love like Harajuku fashion. So I'm going to like, to me, that's similar to like, you know, American people that love Lolita fashion and like mm-hmm. really love it and like dress as it and, and do all that stuff. And they, but it's not like they're like, oh, and I specifically want friends that are only Asian or like, I specifically yeah. want this. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Like this is kind of a, little bit of an offshoot but i was having like a conversation with someone about how weird it is to be like oh i only date black men or oh i only do this it's like that's weirdly like yeah fetishizing like a race and it's like it that's i mean like you're trying to be like oh i'm open to like this so therefore i'm not but because you're saying you only do that you're it it's yeah not good like having an actual preference which i know is like a heated word when we talk about dating especially when it comes to like race and gender and everything but when you actually use it as real words that's fine of like i tend to be more attracted to like this group but to be like i only am attracted to this group that's when it gets like yeah if that's well, not a preference like, anymore that's well like yeah when you completely dismiss one type of people because of either like where they're from or how they look or maybe what yeah. their culture does like that's fucked up yeah yeah and when there's like a power dynamic to it too so when you're a white person and you put like i only date this race or ethnicity it's 
cringe and not good because it is just like fetishizing. It's yeah. like yeah. a skinny person being like, I only date fat dudes. You're like, weird um, to say it that way. <laughs> but like, you could be attracted to like bigger people, but to be like, I only date them. It's like, great. That's no one wants that. No one wants you. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Yeah, kind of um, like what you were saying, Liz, in that article, she talks about, like, I just really loved it. And I think that people have always borrowed from other cultures and stuff. But, you know, doing stuff like that really walks a fine line between mm-hmm. cultural appropriation and just respecting what other cultures do. And it it's really easy to fall on one side or the other. Well, and I will say, like, the one thing I like about it, though, is that she brought people from that culture and from that actual like district and style to showcase what it was, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being like, I went to Japan, I saw this cool thing, and now it's my new style. So it's like, it was nice that it was actually those people doing it. But it was weird that she didn't find like, okay, these are really good dancers. And these are my backup dancers now. Or these are like my backup vocalist, or I'm going to have them like, they're going to have some of their own tracks, they're going to do this or that in the song. It was like, yeah just human props is where yeah like like, if they had some sort of like input into the artistic like whatever into what she was creating then like okay maybe but the fact that it was like oh hey i want this style you come be stand next to me now yeah i don't know (laughs) like even if they just were there for like one music video and showed like this cool style and fashion in this cool part of japan like i i mean it this is another divisive one but like Avril Lavigne has a huge Japanese following, and so she did the Hello Kitty song. The Hello Kitty song, yeah. Oh. And so, my personal opinion as a white person, so I know it has very little, um, and and I mean that earnestly. I know it has very little to do with anything. Um, but I feel like it was an appropriation because it was filmed by a Japanese person, styled by a Japanese person, and made for her Japanese fan base. And it was filmed in Japan, and it had Japanese backup dancers, and it was a real mm. style that was there. So it was like showcasing this part and also embracing a culture that has embraced her in a specific way and doing Mm -hmm. it in a way to like elevate those voices too as opposed to Gwen Stefani who is just like you're gonna stand in the back behind me while I do my stuff like that's where it's like to me feels more icky now when you say Avril Lavigne do you mean the real Avril Lavigne (laughs) or the body double no the body (laughs) double obviously (laughs) obviously post skater boy duh okay uh yeah I I also found this little nugget that apparently in 2014, they announced that there was going to be like Gwen Stefani was helping produce a Harajuku girl animated series uh, where Gwen Stefani and the four Harajuku girls were going to fight crime. Interesting. <laughs> Thoughts, cricket, cricket. Ideas? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Obviously that hasn't gone off the ground there. That was like the only line about that in that <laughs> article that I found. So yeah, the way you say it, it sounds like it still could like it's still in development well, in right the now. article it was like in 2014 they announced they were working on this but they didn't say like it was officially scrapped in this year or it's since been forgotten like it just is open-ended it, okay yeah i don't know um yeah any last words about cultural appropriation um we're not the right co- podcast to talk about it <laughs> i mean that's fair but we can also call I'm people out when they're being stupid no, 100%. I yeah. was just joking. Um, I just want to be me. I just gotta be me. She's just being Miley. Um, <laughs> anyway, the band, no doubt, uh, did reunite in 2008 and 2009 for a reunion tour. And they released another studio album in 2013 
and the current status of the band is listed as active, but Stefani has mentioned that the prospects of future collaborations are unknown. Uh, there's a lot of kind of stress between her and um, oh, uh, Tony Canal, who's the bass guitar player. They were together for a long time romantically uh, from the years 87 to 94, kind of in like the whole early phase of the band and they broke up and I think they're like still friendly but I think working together there's a lot of differences between them so it's kind of unknown if there's going to be more work in the future but they're not officially done as a band I guess um as of 2019 Gwen Stefani is a judge on The Voice I think she did a season took a season off and is back on the current season and as Liz mentioned uh, when I wrote all my notes about it, I said she is unfortunately engaged to Blake Shelton. She is now unfortunately married to Blake Shelton. Uh, right. So, yeah. They deserve each other. <laughs> That's kind of all the notes I had. I, I did a lot of research because I figured it would be easy to talk about the tracks and what I thought about the tracks. But, you know, I wanted to fill up more time with the background and history of them. Do you guys have anything to add before we dive into the tracks? Uh I guess my one thing is, are you going to talk about um, their relationship and how it led into the specific album too? Or is that all you had is about the bass and Gwen Stefani? That's most of what I had, yeah. Okay. Because I feel like, if I remember correctly, um, Don't Speak is written about their relationship. Mm. Um, And a few other tracks too were specifically about it. And I feel like one of the reasons why I was in Development Hell, which I mean, this is all me trying to remember, so this could be wrong is because of the breakup as well where it got things postponed and they thought the band was actually going to break up on well yeah especially because yeah eric stefani leaving in 94 like a year before it came out and then if they broke up also in 94 that would make a lot of sense um because even um in the music video for don't speak which actually like i would say go back and watch i think it's really interesting because i feel like it was like behind the scenes drama just kind of pushed out there Hmm. and a lot of the music videos too it the camera like focuses mostly on gwen stefani but when it shows the other bandmates it lingers on the bass player who she dated like a lot whenever there's like specific poignant lyrics too and i was like this feels like it's about that um but the music video for don't speak as well is literally about like the producers and everyone kind of pushing Gwen Stefani to the forefront. And so Mm. the focus is no longer on the band as a whole, but just on her and like the effects that that's having on the band and kind of like how that's breaking down on top of Gwen Stefani and the bass players like break up. It's, it's interesting. It's a good music. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that. I can't remember the last time I saw that video. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to think that guy was cute. Uh, Tony Canal. I think in the 90s he was like really cute and I you know he's aged and he's mine he might not necessarily be my type anymore but um yeah he was cute he's still kind of cute I could see yeah. it I don't know he if definitely has anymore. um like oh god like a Brendan Urie vibe now like he mm. definitely looks like he's like I could sing for Panic at the Disco or uh emo band so good for him. I like the aesthetic. Good for him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, he's cuter than Blake Shelton. So hey, he's cuter than Blake there's Shelton. a lot of people that are. <laughs> That's a low bar, unless if you're talking to the one that magazine that named him the hottest man in the world or some shit. I know. Wasn't that I people? I fucking forgot about year? that. Yeah. Eh. 
I will say too. Sexiest man alive. Yeah. (laughs) Frosted tips is a hard look to pull off. And, you know, for the 90s, I think he did it. Oh, Tony Canal or Blake Shelton? Yeah. Yeah, Blake Shelton (laughs) with his frosted tips. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He just, like, he's super cute back then. His sunglasses are amazing, though. (laughs) Because. It's like Anna Wintour sunglasses ah, on. <laughs> yeah, his arms look really good in that tank top too. They look really good. Or that sleeveless shirt. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Good for both of them. Um, I did forget. I did watch a long time ago the, what's the one YouTube series where they like with celebrities they go through like, ten of their most iconic looks or whatever, and they have to talk about them. I don't remember what. It's a magazine, I think, but they did one with Gwen Stefani, and she talked about her look i think it was the like rock and new year's eve 2000 or something and no doubt performed and she talked about how it was less about the outfit she was wearing and more about the fact that because they've been so successful that she decided she wanted braces to fix her teeth and she was singing one of the songs that went really fast and like her lips were getting caught on her braces and like getting cut up and stuff as she was trying to perform live on tv and i was like damn the struggle's real with braces y'all Adult braces are hard. Oh my god, she's actually really adorable with adult braces. I kind of prefer her with adult braces. Um, Gwen Stefani, if you're listening to our podcast, go back to adult braces. Oh yeah, are you with the pink hair? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, I just sent a photo. She and those choppy ass bangs. Yes, it just kind of works for her in a it's weird such way. Such a fucking look. Good for her. Hillary Fay. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary Fay wishes. Honestly, <laughs> she does. Um, we'll put these in the visual companion for you all. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> I decided that I wanted to talk about the tracks on the album, but in the order I think that they stand. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so I'm. This is Alex' definitive ranking of the album tracks for Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. Uh, right away, I've stood by the songs since like I was a fucking kid. I think Sunday Morning is one of No Doubt's best songs and it's by far the best song on this album. I don't know what it is about it, but there's something that's so like Sunday kind of, morning it's, rain it's like No, not I like quite. It. Uh it's like kind of a post breakup song, but it's still really peppy and cheery and a big part of it I think for me is the music video. I do remember the music video very much and I made both of you watch the music video because yeah. it um I actually kind of forgot about the first like third of the music video where they're in their garage singing and they're just kind of being angry at the world. Um, but Gwen Stefani has her little like cardigan on and her leopard print skirt. Um, mm-hmm. And also an indication of her cultural appropriation. She's wearing little Zori, which are like Japanese sandals. Yeah. And then she changes out of them into leopard print um, heels, which are really cute while she's like belting the chorus of the song, which is yeah. hilarious. Um, yeah. It's kind of iconic, honestly. Yeah, no, she's like sitting in a chair and she's like bent over and she's staring because there's this guy who I'm assuming is supposed to be like a stand-in for an ex-boyfriend and like she's staring at him across the driveway like belting this part of the song. It's great. Go watch it. Um, and then like she goes to a little corner store and gets some groceries and then she's making red sauce in the kitchen because they're decided they're going to have a little picnic outdoors. And uh, she cuts her finger, which I absolutely hate seeing people cut themselves in like TV and stuff because I don't like blood. But I, I just remember this part so iconically because like everything changes and she's like having like... I know, it's like a weird, it's, it's a so very cool. weird moment because it's like the whole rest of the video is very, I mean, normal. Yeah, realistic. And then all of a sudden she just like cuts her finger and it's like... <clears throat> like 
and now yeah. we're gonna be like weird for some reason yeah and they're playing like, the pasta yeah and... yeah they're playing things like backwards like the two guys eating the pasta it's like coming out of his mouth instead of in yeah. and they're like yeah. wiping up the pasta sauce. it was very brandon leonard show honestly <laughs> <laughs> maybe slightly better quality even though it was like 10 years before it um yeah but then the video ends where they go out to the picnic table and they start eating their spaghetti and then they have a little food fight at the end and i think it's just the cutest and it just makes me feel yeah. really happy inside and in the music video too this is where i'm like maybe i sound like a conspiracy theorist but like for um for tony i'm gonna say his first name because i forgot his last name canal 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 i think it's canal actually i don't know but Um, i was just assuming it's not canal yeah (laughs) canal that's what i'm gonna say but um no whenever it goes to them like starting to make food it starts off with him like walking into the house and he's the one with the pot and it's like this shift change of like she's in all these bright colorful scenes and she's like shopping and having a good time and he just looks so depressed like filling this pot full of water and then getting the spaghetti ready before anyone's even there and i'm like it's really lingering on him for a long time before anyone else joins and he's just like in this sad lighting where i was like is this a thing yeah maybe i'm sure that's him yeah that's probably what they were trying to highlight and it definitely went over my head as like a six-year-old kid being in love with this music video but i was all in the drama even as a six-year-old kid i was like they were dating and they broke up give me you're picking up all the subtext (laughs) like oh this lighting shift indicates that uh he was very sad (laughs) i can't pay attention to real text but i get all the subtext (laughs) (laughs) i can't tell you the plot but i can tell you what's behind it um um i i do want to say about the song too because it's obviously constantly and will always be on my brain um it kind of made me think of good for you by olivia Mm, rodrigo like it has very similar vibes of just like we're broken up you're great i thought i knew who you were but fuck it you're not so yeah you can leave now (laughs) yeah for sure um and it is it's definitely like most of the songs on this album have you know horns and stuff in it but it i think it makes good use of makes good use of the brass instruments in the song um yeah look at them guns <laughs> anyway uh my number two and obviously casey's number one is spider webs uh it is the first album on the actual or the first song on the album <laughs> the first track on the album i should say and um yeah it's a banger it, like it's goes great. for it, it is. i always I... think of this song this is like a one like if you're going to talk about them i was like oh my god I don't think they actually say any words in the song, actually, though. I'm just I'm walking you know. in a spider web, so leave a message. Leave a message and I'll, and I'll call, call you back. It's all your uh, fault uh, that I screen my phone calls. No matter, 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 matter who calls, I gotta screen my phone calls. Remember when you had to screen phone calls? No. I yeah. just see that too. And I like how we just want to sing the song, and at the same time, we're like, oh no, now we're just dragging Liz right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just. I mean, I, I don't care. I just. It just sounds like they're going like. <laughs> I mean, I mean in, you know, great. in the in the oh tradition of punk and ska adjacent punk. Exactly. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, this has like a nice brassy start to it. Yeah. And like, kind of, yeah, the good drums. But I'm listening to it right now. Sorry, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to talk louder so we can talk over the music? No. It's just so well, and a great visual because literally for like all of the '90s, whenever I would like <laughs> screen phone calls in my head, that's all that would play. But then like these giant spider webs, I was like, "Oh, so spooky! I hate spiders." 
this is a good visual. This is awful. <laughs> I know what it's like to have your heart broken now. It's like giant spiders. I think it was also the theme song for my sister making me answer the phone to see who's calling her <laughs> and it not be for her. Did she have a, sec- like a no. separate line? No. <laughs> oh, I see. She'd be like, Casey, answer the phone. And I'd be like, great, I'm six. Um, Is that how you answer the phone? <laughs> Green. Hi, I'm six. six. My parents aren't home. How are you? <laughs> Do you want to come abduct me? <laughs> I have uh, so many siblings. My parents won't notice. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the bills will go down a little bit. That'll be great. Uh, Catholic families. Um, <laughs> number three I gave to Don't Speak. <laughs> Don't Speak is a great song. It's a bop. It's a sad bop, but it's a good bop. Yeah, I mean, it was featured on Glee. That's how good it was. Oh, really? Who sang it? Um, a group of people. Oh. <laughs> it was a breakup episode. But I think it was mostly Lee Michelle and Corey Monteith singing it. Oh, of course. Don't um, speak. Oh, wait, no. I think it was a foursome. Because I think also Blaine and Kurt sang it, too. I don't know. Let's roll the episode. Let's watch it right now. <laughs> roll the footage. <laughs> it's like season four, maybe like episode five. It's not like, I don't, I don't remember it, though. <laughs> Anyway, we're moving on. Uh, for number four, I gave to Just a Girl. Uh, this, this is was, my favorite. Yeah, it's a good song. It's yes. the breakout single. It's the one that really like rocketed the album and the band into kind of the stratosphere of success. It's very like girl power, pop punk, you know, screaming at the patriarchy. Highly recommended. Still relevant. I will say that's, I think that's what's interesting kind of about this album is it very much, especially knowing that they were like older when they wrote this, they weren't teenagers, but it really found like sounds like a female, like rebelling against society story slash a breakup album all at the same time. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a fun kind of mashup of songs of just like. I don't know. It's an interesting tone, especially also, with like the ska background. Also, don't you just love that? Don't you just love that part where it's like, like that noise that it makes is so good. It's like <laughs> I don't know what what instrument is that that they use. Uh, you're gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> it's like the the beginning. Do 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 do. Yeah, it's you're like just singing here. the Nokia like like cell phone ring song. Do 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 do. No, okay. it's like the. <laughs> Stand by, I have to listen to it. Dude, it, dude, That's just a guitar, isn't it? It probably is. It sounds like it's just a guitar with like a distort on it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they played it underwater. That's how they got the sound. They all got electrocuted. Yeah. Take this pink ribbon off my eyes. Um. Yeah. I gave. The Climb number five, because this isn't Miley, Miley Cyrus's. Cyrus. Shut up. <laughs> this isn't Miley Cyrus's The Climb. This is a track like I didn't recognize the name of, but when I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah. And it's it's kind of like a slower one too, but it's, I think, really good. It is a slower one. It, I Okay, so the thing is, if I'm being totally real with y'all. Y'all. From here on out, I basically don't remember any of these songs. Like, it's like, I know those four songs. Yeah, those are like the big like, singles. And then it's like, okay, these all like... I didn't really know a lot of the rest of these. Well, excuse me, Mister was like a single too, wasn't it? Yeah, but not as like not nearly as big. Yeah, because I feel like all the other ones we talked about literally played on the radio all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I feel like um, excuse me, Mister was kind of there, but like faded out a lot faster than the others. Yeah. Like these, I, I feel like were on the radio for like years. Honestly, is what it felt like. Yeah, I. 
uh, yeah, like I said, I gave the climb number five. I gave Excuse Me, Mr. Number Six. So we're talking about those back to back. Very good songs. I I can't remember now if I complained about this before we started recording or since we started recording, but I gave number seven to the title song, Tragic Kingdom. For some reason, it's the last track on the album, and it makes me angry because I feel like it should be the beginning. It has this really like strong start to it. And also the piano, there's a little piano theme that runs throughout the song, and it kind of makes me think of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, like the do 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and it sounds like the start of like, which maybe this is why they didn't want to do it. It starts off sounding like an epic, like rock album, an epic mm, in the mm-hmm. sense of like Norse gods rock album. Um, and then it kind of switches to like their style, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I, I, I like the song. Tonally, it's very weird for the rest of the album. Like, honestly, it's the titular song and I feel like they could take it out and the album would feel the same. Yeah, I do. The end of the last like third of the album has a lot of songs that are different styles or they sound different than their kind of more yeah. obvious songs. And, you know, we'll talk about them. But like Which, this song is one of them. I think it's a little heavier rock um, sound. Yeah. I wonder if they had like so many songs written for the album already. And then they went through all this shit and started writing like more songs. And so the beginning of the album is like, this is actually like our new, new stuff. And then they're like, oh, but mm. we already recorded these. So put those on there too. Yeah, just tack mm. this on at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. Um, the last seven. So there's 14 tracks in total. The last seven, like Liz kind of said, they do sort of blend together a little bit. But I did. I gave the song title 16, number eight. Uh, it's pretty good. I liked it. Um, I didn't remember it from when I was younger, but it's a fine song. I do like, I vaguely remembered it, but also being like, I remember not loving it, but being uh-huh. like, oh, this is fun. It's yeah. bouncy. Uh, a song I absolutely did not remember, but I think is a sleeper hit is You Can Do It, which I gave yeah. number nine. It's like this a disco me... song in the middle okay, of a fucking record. This it's one, so wild. I'm like, oh, why are we in an Austin Powers movie now? I had to, I was like working on my notes and playing it at the same time. And I had to go back to Spotify and be like, did it start playing a different album? Because it's like a disco song. It has, yeah, it's very different. I mean, it has like the brass and stuff, but it just has like this kind of fun beat to it. I, it's yeah. great. But it's like, Brasky, uh, brasky. It's like brasky. a brasky. It's like brassy disco, though. It's not like ska brassy. Like yeah. it literally, they just like switch genres for one song. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's fun though. I like it. But also, uh, why are you on this album? <laughs> what are you doing here? I don't know. I mean, maybe the producer was like, "Hey, the song is too good to leave off the album, but it doesn't fucking fit whatsoever." So yeah, here you go. Yes. Um, I'm just gonna run through my last. Uh, five. Uh, then I put World Go Round for number 10. 11 was End It On This, which is funny because it's like the penultimate song. So they, maybe they should have ended the album with End It On This because the name of the song, come on. Um, 12 is Happy Now. 13, Hey You. And 14, Different People. Like, all their songs are pretty good. Some of them are just a little more they kind of blend together, feel a little muddier. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I would say about the Olivia Rodrigo album. There's some of the songs that just blend together, but there's a really, there's like half of them are like really good standout songs. Oh yeah, I I agree. Yeah, with that. I feel like uh, it's interesting because I was thinking about this when I was listening to the album today, and I was like, I never listen to albums anymore. Like I never listen to like 
oh, I'm gonna go listen to the entire No Doubt CD. Like, mm. or album, I should yeah. say, because CDs don't exist. Um, I mean, they do, but... <laughs> And so he just like brought back a stack of CDs from his grandparents. And I'm like, dude, we, we don't need any more shit in this apartment, please. But I just feel like uh, we have left that behind. Like, I, I don't, I, at least for me, I don't know. I like, because even listening to this, it was kind of a little bit of a chore somewhat. Because I was like, oh, this is the same thing. Like, I just feel like I'm listening to too much of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I personally have always loved soundtrack albums like i just love listening to movie soundtracks like some of my favorite records that i have are like the big chill soundtrack i love listening to the chef soundtrack i love you know like things like that where it is a variety of music and i just i just don't think i listen to music like this i don't know that i ever really did but i definitely don't anymore like i don't like just sit and listen to like one person's music and i i don't know if that's like uh do you think that's a cultural thing or do you think that's a me thing I think that's a cultural thing. No, I think it like there has been a shift. I don't think people have yeah. necessarily the patience to listen to a whole thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's too why people stopped doing albums and did like what they dubbed mixtapes. Because yeah. to me, an album has like not a story, but an overarching uh, overarching um, <laughs> like theme or feel or style to it. Whereas mm-hmm. a mixtape yeah. is just like, here's some music I wrote. Which or, like a lot of people just put out a bunch of singles and they're not tied yeah. to any album or like an EP yeah. where it's like here's yeah. four songs. Okay. Yeah, which is wonderful. Um, I will say because we've talked about it a few times, so I'm able to even though I started it. Um, but Olivia Rodrigo Sour and No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, I do think have similar problems to me as someone who does love listening to an album all the way through. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of producer interference or something. I don't know. But the transition from track to track, like the songs feel so stilted and strange and they're hard to remember because of the order they're also placed in. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm going on, I'm going to sound so like uppity, but like, I don't feel like I'm going on a journey in these albums. I don't feel like I'm like uncovering more information or like I'm going on some sort of emotional ride or changing. It's just like, here's this song. Now here's this song. Now here's the song. Now here's the song. Yeah, there are, there are a couple songs that actually like, sound wise sonically they like flow into each other from one track to the next and one of them is sunday morning when i i played that one just alone earlier to listen to it again and you get some of like the fade out from the song before it on the album version uh <laughs> nice list and <laughs> i thought that was interesting but not all of the songs do that but i do i love a, yeah. like an album that there's the songs actually flow into it each other like one of those is plans by death cat for cutie it's one of my favorite albums of all time and like each one like just goes into the the next one or even like lady gaga's chromatica to talk about something a little bit more current i guess um but she even has like the filler songs that literally transition from like here's a section of grouping of songs that already kind of transition together yeah but this section doesn't have it so she wrote like a specific song to transition into it yeah and it's just like interesting storytelling musically that I feel like or that you can listen kind of to off. a Quentin Tarantino album from his movies, and in between every song, they have dialogue from the movie, and it carries oh you into the next song. I hate that. <laughs> Liz, Honestly. I'm going to say something so <laughs> controversial, and it's going to end our friendship right now. I don't like Quentin Tarantino movies. I mean, I like okay, them. here's the thing Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> questionable person. I would say I've been waiting for something to happen with him because he's a little sketch. Seems I don't. You know, but I also still really like his movies. I don't like 
his roles in his movies. I don't like when he shows up. I'm like, get out of Pulp Fiction, bro. You well, just that's kind wanted of to like, say the N-word for like five million times. Get the F out of here. This is like an off-topic thing. Well, no, that's <laughs> fine. It's kind of like the Woody Allen thing from before Woody Allen was actually yeah, widely known as being yeah. a creep. But um, yeah, like I liked some of his movies, but only the ones that he wasn't in because I hated watching him on screen. Yeah. See, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't like... I've never liked a Kill Quentin Bill. Tarantino movie. So I try. I would. I want to like Kill Bill. I don't like Kill Bill. I don't know. I'm going to get us back on track. I, I didn't have a whole lot <laughs> else to say about the album. It was a big part of my childhood. I really liked it. I was uh, very happy to rediscover the album in whole. Um, and I su- highly suggest everyone to listen to it. As Liz said, I do think that a lot of people don't listen to albums and their full extent anymore mm-hmm. i tend to do that only with like artists i really like but uh yeah. i don't just kind of especially now that you have spotify <clears throat> there's so many you can't listen to everyone's albums all the time there's yeah. just too much music out there's there too much i typically like maybe once a year my so this is my mom's thing that she does and it's a tried and true method i found that if someone releases they typically have like three singles before an album comes out if you mm-hmm. like all three songs listen to the entire album and so that's what I do every well, time, and it works You know out. what? I would love to listen to uh, Lil Nas X's album, but he doesn't fucking release his the drop date. So, come on, Lil and Nas, you missed all of Pride Month. Also, Lil Nas, Lil Nas, I know you're listening. Lil Nas, Lil Nas, Lil, Lil Nas. Nas. Um, he prefers Lil Nas Ten, by the way. If you're gonna talk <laughs> he about actually iPhone, prefers iPhone X. Lil Nozzle is the full name. <laughs> Shut actually. the fuck up. <laughs> Oh, and to bounce off of what Casey said like 15 years ago, uh, Chromatica is a great album. I listened to it all the way through last week, and it still slaps. So yeah, it's the best album of the quarantine, I think. Um, Uh, That's all I have to say about uh, Tragic Kingdom. Any last words? um, I want to apologize because I'm pretty sure I said Olivia Rodrigo's album is Sour Candy. It's just Sour Sour Candy. It's a song on Chromatica, but it's the best song on Chromatica. Both things are good. Many good things. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, did I explain appropriately how I'm like this? I think I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you appropriated you it well. <laughs> Shut up. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Before we wrap up the podcast, I'd like to let you know that Alec loves cultural appropriation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Fine, we have a visual companion to accompany this episode. We'll show you how he's appropriated someone else's culture. It sounds great. You can find it on Twitter, maybe, although we've stopped posting for a while. Instagram is probably the better place to go to. It's at Why Am I Like This Podcast. Or Facebook under Generation Why Am I Like This fan page. If you'd like to reach out to us, we do have an email, which is whyamilikethis at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what your ideal definitive ranking of uh, the songs are. Or just tell us what your favorite song on Tragic Kingdom is. And tell Alec why it's spiderwebs and that he's wrong. But it's not something. Hey, I, Thank I you. do like spiderwebs. I don't think it's a bad song. But <laughs> I think... Are you guys uh, sad that we don't have a Brendan Leonard show visual companion? Because <laughs> I kind of don't want to make it. <laughs> we're, adding, we're keeping this in the episode. Listeners, just so you know, we're sorry last week didn't have a visual companion. None of I'm us want to watch these videos again. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. You guys can look it up if you want. You can <laughs> pretend that we posted the one picture we said we we're going to post, but we're not posting it. Hey, TBH, TBH, I didn't even look at the post, but I, I had other things going on, which leads me into, I'm going to start with many good many things good this thing. week, because I have a Yay. really big good thing to talk about. What um, is 
<laughs> you'll never guess. You'll never guess. So um, I hesitated. I didn't talk about this before, even though an episode came out. The Brendan Leonard Show episode came out the day after this happened. But I wanted to make sure it really happened in real life and that I didn't curse myself. But uh, By talking about it on the Brendan Leonard Show episode. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I got married on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. And Yay! Congrats. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was wonderful. We planned on getting married last April and obviously a pandemic happened and kind of put a kibosh on that. But, uh, we kind of scrapped together a wedding and it was small and beautiful and perfect. And I had some family there that I hadn't seen in since the beginning of the pandemic, also some good friends like Casey and Liz were both there uh, and it was good. I will put a picture of the three gingers that we took at the wedding in the visual companion because we all look really fucking cute. Um, sure do. Yeah. <laughs> and we all we all got some really great food. Carmen, if you're listening, she, Isaiah's mom gifted us the wedding dinner. Um, yeah, so it was that was so good. The dope. It was really good. Um, I'm still full. There's uh, also yeah, I I there's also a great picture. <laughs> there's also a great picture of my mother with uh, the three gingers because she took a number one fan picture. So we'll yes. we'll either put it in this visual companion or maybe we'll have a special treat for that down the road. Um, I'm trying to Helen's decide what to do. Helen's number one. Helen's number she one. She's number one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's my very big good thing. But I'm very happy. I was very content with my day and I felt very loved. And yeah, great. Goodbye. Well, okay, well, now that that's done, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm so happy for you. Um, but my many good things, I'm going to do two because why not? Um, I saw the movie Zola in theaters the other day and it was a lot of fun and I highly recommend it. It was a wild ride. First of all, love that it's like 90 minutes, something long. Ooh. I can't tell you how much I appreciate a 90 minute movie, dude. Like, it's so good. Like, uh, but it's about a woman who is a stripper, and it's based off of a Twitter like thread that this woman posted on Twitter that this actually happened to her. And she meets another girl, and they go on like a trip to strip in a different club in Florida. And it gets a little cuckoo bananas from there. So it's it based on the Twitter thread? Yes. I love that Twitter thread. It's wild. Yes. So the movie, really good. Both of the leads are so good in it. I really liked both of them. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It was really well filmed, too. I just love the visuals. Um, but then my other uh, mini good thing is the song The Sea by Riley... No, I almost said the actress from Zola. Um, <laughs> Sierra Farrell. Um, so it's called The Sea by Sierra Farrell. And I just really like this song. Uh, I think she does like have the like the ocean uh, or the letter C. Yeah, like the ocean, like water. Um, and she uses like a she plays like a saw at the beginning, you know, when you play that like mm-hmm. as a and it has that cool little like a noise, and it's just a great song. Um, I've listened to a couple of her other songs from the album that it's on, but I that one definitely is the one I've been replaying. Uh, and I really like it a lot, but I like her style, um, so I'm very excited to find someone new because I didn't know about her until now. So nice. There you go, Casey. Casey, what's good? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, no, I mean mine is probably the most important thing we're going to talk about today. Yes, more important than a wedding. Um. <laughs> Did you buy a second ring light? Yeah, I have three ring lights. 
Um, no, I'm just kidding on all fronts. But I just want to say, I we got Paramount Plus so we could watch, honestly, and by we, I mean my mom got it, um, so that I, <laughs> I could watch um, the new Drag Race, which I'll say All-Star 6, I wasn't too excited about originally, but I'm enjoying a lot, especially if you don't like Eureka or Silky, I think the way that they are in the this season is actually really good. Um, and on top of that, they have iCarly. And the whole rebooted series of iCarly. And I have to say, if you were a fan of the show as a kid and you're like, I'm kind of like wondering, it literally is wild to me. It feels like the exact same show, but with more like adult situations, which sounds more like, but I mean, like they're adults now. And so it's it's them like drinking alcohol or talking about dating more than they would when they were like preteens. So it's it's wild. Uh, It's really fun. If you want to watch it with your kids, it's still very family friendly, but it's out of all the reboots that they've done for the past several years now, this one is the one that was like, this is exactly what everyone wants when they ask you to reboot a show. And it's, it's delightful. It's fun. Great. Is that all? Yeah. That's yeah, it. And that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Click. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, no, join us next week when uh, Casey will be starting a two-parter episode in which both him and Liz will be discussing... Which, by the way, Casey stole my thunder. That's okay. so everyone knows. So well, thunder only I... happens when it's raining. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, we're talking about we're... the... Ready? Let's do it like the trolls. Ready? Oh my god. The, the Tenth, tenth Kingdom! kingdom. <laughs> I hate it all. <laughs> it's it's going to be a different kind of episode, because even though it's technically my time, like Liz and I both will be hosting the next two yes. episodes in a way. Um, and we're going to try and make it as fun and, and as least painful for Alec as short, possible. Please. No. I don't want to no. do like a two hour long episode. It's not going to be, it's going to be two hour long episodes. Two, two hour long episodes. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>